this is uh, Bourgeois Sancerre, take one. Hey Seattle, we're back at Vin Expo having a fabulous time and it's time for some Sancerre, a little Sauvignon Blanc from the central vineyards here in France. I'm in Bordeaux, but I have the pleasure of speaking with Arnaud Bourgeois, who is the, uh, well, the current general director of uh, one of the most popular and st uh, classic Sancerre producers in uh, Loire Valley. Arnaud Bourgeois, welcome to Happy Hour. Nice to be with you. Thank you for coming. Yes, my pleasure. Let's talk about you. Um, how many generations? Uh, the name Henri Bourgeois is uh, the, la the name you'll see on the bottle. Uh, and where do you fit in? Well, Henri Bourgeois was my grandfather, so we are the third generation. But we actually make wine in the family for ten generations. So everything started back in 1693. Right about then, <laughs> it started. How old was the great, 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 great grandfather? Was that a young man? Was he 18? I mean, I'm curious. How old was he just to begin farming and in, in, in the central vineyards, I imagine? Well, actually, uh, at that time, it was just impossible to live out of making wine only. You had to uh, cultivate as well wheat, yeah. any kind of cereals, and then uh, you also had to have some uh, um, um, Livestock. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, like cows, like goats, etc. So, and uh, make, making wine was only for the locals. But my grandfather, Henri, decided very early, early 50s, to stop the multi activities, you know, in order to focus on planting vines. And you said 1950s? Yes. Okay. Yeah, 1950s. And it was a challenge. He had his family to feed. Everybody said to him, but Henry, you're crazy, you're not going to make it. It's impossible to uh, make a living out of uh, the wine. He is going to hate. Yeah, but uh, he, he was, um, you know what we say in French, têtu. That means completely obstinate. Headstrong. Yeah. And then um, he, he, he decided to plant on very specific areas and to start to speak about terroir to his local customers. And then one of his daughters uh, got married with somebody from Paris. So thanks to that, he went up to Paris and he started to knock at the door of the bistro, a different cafe. And um, it's funny because at that time, he didn't have any customers, so he just suggested to leave a few barrels to them. And he said to them, when the wine is going to be finished from the barrel, I'll come back to pick it up empty and you pay me the wine you, you have uh, sold. And okay. that's the way the whole uh, history uh, started, the whole story started. Was that a popular style of, of producing barrels and then having it be uh, available for the, uh, such a French way, coming to fill your own bottle? Well, um, in the village, there were a barrel maker, a good friend of, of him, and uh, uh, he is. So you know. <laughs> yeah, this guy, this guy said to him, "Listen, instead of carrying uh, the, the wine in bottle, uh, 
um, take the wine up to Paris in my barrels and it's going to be original. So he did it and that's how it happened. Excellent. So we're talking the 1950s and um, at the time uh, wine was, was Beaujolais Nouveau must have been a huge hit back then or was it? I'm, I'm trying to think out what was the culture of wine drinking in, in Paris back then? What's the culture of wine drinking in, in Paris in the 1950s? Oh, um, you know, people were drinking wine uh, just, uh, you know, on the counter. On yeah, well, the carafe is just uh, yeah, by just the glass. Exactly. Uh, uh, and they, they were not really looking for specific quality. They, they've heard about uh, Beaujolais, about Bordeaux, and, uh, you know, it was just enjoying. It was just being all together, sharing a nice moment. That was how the wine was uh, uh, drunk at the time and uh, it's a little bit later that suddenly people considered that the quality could be better but that's the way how it worked I remember when I was a kid I delivered wine uh, with my uh, grandfather it was early 70s and when we left 3 o'clock in the morning in Sancerre, which is only 200 kilometers south of Paris, we arrived there by uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. And at the first stop where we have to unload the wine from our little lorry, small lorry, yeah. he, he, he had to eat a big steak. That was how people welcomed him. Um, so big steak with red 6 wine. 6 a.m. Absolutely. But the Sounds next, like Vegas. Absolutely. <laughs> And the next stop was uh, another big, um, you know, uh, kind of a, a bread and butter, and it never stopped the whole morning. So it was like, and people took the time at that time. They just enjoy. Remember, six o'clock no in the morning. Cell phones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No uh, horns, no alarm clocks per se. Um, has it always been Sauvignon Blanc in the family? Is this has this been the the grape that has been the the single thread that links you all? Well, actually, um, Sauvignon Blanc, by, uh, by the law, um, we had to plant it and to cultivate it to call uh, the wine Sancerre. But before the phylloxera crisis, and I'm talking about uh, 1890, right. um, before that we could find a lot of uh, chasselas. Chasselas? Grape, yeah. Uh, because it was a, a, a grape variety which could give um, interesting berries, fruity, sweet, uh, but it was not so good to make wine. That's only after the phylloxera crisis that uh, the producers realized that Sauvignon Blanc was giving uh, better quality wine. So they swapped when they replanted their vineyard from Chasla to Sauvignon Blanc. And Pinot Noir was also widely planted at that time because. Yeah, exactly. Pinot Noir is at the origin of uh, Rosé Sancerre and Red Sancerre. But uh, it was a grape variety which have been planted widely about Phylloxera time because Champagne has been affected at that time earlier than us by the Phylloxera. And then we were suppliers of fruit for Champagne. We delivered our fruit from Sancerre <laughs> to the Champagne producer for wow. them to make Champagne. Interesting. It's, uh, there is such a... Uh, incestuous relationship from uh, region to region, yet nobody really wants to admit that they had these grapes, whether it's Syrah in Bordeaux or uh, um, 
the, the grapes of uh, Gamay Beaujolais and, and, and whites. Um, today you are here at Vin Expo. How many Vin Expos have you been a part of? Actually, together with my family, we started from the first one, Vin Expo, back in 1981. Wow. So that's a long time we've been here in Bordeaux and. Um, uh, well, it has evolved a lot since the beginning. It started very gently. We were just uh, a few hundred producers, up to more than 6,000 or something like that at one stage, and now we're back to 1,600. So, no, it's wonderful. But I love the place, and I love uh, meeting all our customers from uh, um, around the world. But what is even uh, probably more interesting is after the show. <laughs> when uh, the real life starts at 8 o'clock p.m. That's right, that's right. Uh, this is uh, a beautiful week here in Bordeaux and uh, speaking with Arnaud Bourgeois, the Director General. So as a member of the family, did you have to work in the vineyard? Did you have to work in the cellar? Um, what, what are some of the things that you had to uh, to learn to participate on this level? As Director General, that's, that's, that's the head of the family, right? Well, absolutely. It's uh, um, to me, um, it's an evidence that um, you can't direct a wine company if you haven't done every single job of, uh, of a winemaker, I mean, uh, somebody living on the, on the wine farm. So I started, of course, working in the vineyard when I was a kid. I was something like uh, 11 or 12 when I had to go in the vineyard with my brothers and cousins. Um, during the winter, we had to take the hawk out of the wires, uh, which is not a pleasant job to do, but we didn't have the chance. No way that we were going to play soccer with our friends. Um, we had to do that, and I actually don't regret at all. Um, and um, that was something which, of course, is printed up in my mind. My oldest brother, for example, is a chef. He's got a hotel restaurant in the same village, Chavignol, oh, where Chavignol. we are. Yeah, where we are. We have a winery, and um, actually, because he was very sensitive to the cold, he said, "Never and never, I'm going to become a winemaker." Only because when he was a kid, he had to be outside in the cold during the winter. So he's he's cozying up to a big. A big stove, a big oven, and, absolutely, uh, and making himself uh, obviously happy with good food. Let's talk about the, the idea of Sancerre and Sauvignon Blanc. Has um, the wine changed over the years? Well, I think so. First of all, um, over the time, enology is a science which evolved uh, a lot, and um, of course, uh, you know, we are very much um, into um, the respect of the tradition from father to son but we also uh, look at the modernism it's important to us to see what is good in any uh, modernism so um, we actually tried uh, to evolve our way of uh, cultivating the vines and making the wine uh, according to what enology and viticulture could brought to us in terms of modernism or modernity. Uh, sure. Yeah. And uh, we tried to, uh, to catch what we felt being a good thing for the quality and we rejected what we considered not respected 
and no, respecting our traditional uh, way of uh, thinking. So um, the wines evolve in um, improving the quality in terms of balance, in terms of um, probably um, hygiene, in terms of um, uh, knowledge of the terroir, because Sancerre is a complex vineyard. We can't say that uh, if we drink a bottle of Sancerre that we know Sancerre, because I would say that there are as many producers as uh, uh, styles of Sancerre. We have four main different terroirs, uh, limestone, clay, Kima region malts, flint. Each type of those soils would um, uh, completely um, influence the style of the Sancerre. And on our property, we work on 134 blocks, small, small, like in Burgundy. And uh, we, we absolutely don't want to blend the different blocks uh, coming from different terroirs. You know, it's like having different children. We can't, uh, we, we can't uh, have them having the same uh, personality. So it's the same for the wine. Each wine coming from uh, each different soil would uh, express certain personality, even if it's only one grape variety, the Sauvignon Blanc. Excellent. So I see four bottles of wine here. Um, uh, three of them say, well, actually two say Sancerre, one says Puy Fumé, and there's another one, Clos Henri, which we will talk about. Uh, which wine do you want to pour? first and uh, discuss. We're going to uh, taste first to Sancerre Les Baronnes. Les Baronnes is uh, a wine coming from uh, 40 years old vines planted uh, uh, in the village of, uh, well, around the village of Chavignol. Chavignol, which is also famous for the goat cheese, which I brought with me. <laughs> I, I see some little trays of goat cheese here. Um, it obviously one of the classic pairings. And so uh, let's talk about this wine. Is this a new expression or is this a traditional expression of Sancerre for the uh, Henri Bourgeois family? Yeah. yeah, Les Baronnes would be, I think, a very good uh, benchmark wine uh, for what we like to express from the Appellation Sancerre. So the soil is uh, limestone and clay, so we have the clay bringing the body, the structure, and then we have uh, the limestone expressing the intensity, the fruitiness, the generosity. So it's a wine which really can be a good signature of what the consumer expects from a Sancerre. Interesting, you know, um, there, there was one producer of uh, Puy Fumé and Sancerre or even Sauvignon Blanc in the Loire Valley, um, Didier Dagenau. He brought a different aspect to it, but some say it was not traditional. I like to think when I was at the Rainer Club, I had Henri Bourgeois Sancerre on my list because it was succinctly um, Sauvignon Blanc from Loire Valley. Minerality, um, expressive, aromatic, but also balanced and, and true to its character. Well, we try to respect from each of our block um, uh, the style of the wine that we, get, we can get from it. So we're not going to do a lot of things in the winery to try to change it, no. We just try to understand as much as we can what kind of a style of wine that this block or that other one is going to, to bring. 
and we, we will just try to frame to uh, follow as uh, a natural development that's what we aim to do in our uh, approach of winemaking interesting when we think about different vintages of, of Sancerre and Loire Valley um, what we find is from a sommelier perspective is that there tends to be some riper vintages some more tropical flavors um, less of the austerity less of the um, tight green apple or uh, grapefruit and jalapeno and lime, some of those green notes that we're used to. Um, do you see climate change as a, uh, an evolution of the style of, of Sancerre? Yes, so to uh, come back to your previous question about the evolution, I totally agree that the style of the wine have been totally, uh, uh, has been totally uh, uh, changing. Because when I was a kid, we would uh, start the harvest in October late October um, because the ripeness was not uh, sometimes showing enough uh, um, enough sign of uh, the fruitiness that we were looking for and uh, nowadays we can start our harvest like a real beginning of September so it's six weeks earlier than uh, what we we would uh, we would do um, about 30 years ago so definitely the global warming has an effect on the wines and I really uh, think that it has a positive effect in our case so the point is that it should stop now because <laughs> otherwise otherwise uh, we'll have to consider to plant uh, Syrah or I don't know what kind of other grape variety or Tempranillo or whatever in Sancerre of course uh, I'm uh, kind of joking about it but uh, seriously the global warming has a positive had a positive effect on uh, the, the, the style of the wine and uh, we can um, nowadays express the fruity the nice fruity character of the fruit but also still the minerality of the soils. Excellent. We talk about flint and, and selects. Um, Le Berones, Berones, right? How do you say that? Berones? And so this is a special cuvee. This is different plots. What's the uh, the raison d'etre for Le Baron? So Le Baron is actually the wine which would um, express the most characteristic, typical um, uh, expression of a sense and the Sauvignon particularly, mixing, mixing perfectly the minerality and the fruitiness. It's a wine which is fermented in stainless steel. We keep the wine then on uh, the fine list in the tank for a few months just for the wine to gain in complexity, roundness and uh, to improve the, the texture. It's as if it's going to be a bit silky on the, on the palate when it's ready to be bottled. So definitely, I think um, when somebody looks for a Sancerre with a traditional expression, Le Baron is definitely the one to pick up. Excellent. Uh, I'm certainly enjoying it. You have uh, some more wines here to taste. And again, we get the grapefruit. Um, the acid is, with that texture on the, on the leaves, it actually makes it round and pleasurable. Uh, I know that Sancerre in the old days would have been very austere and very um, acid-driven, mineral-driven. And yet, do you find that the Lee's context, surely Batonage, has helped make it more approachable for most drinkers? Yes, I think um, that first of all, 
we have a better understanding of uh, um, the viticulture, I mean the, 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 the way that we cultivate our vines. And uh, we would do our best to have riper fruit than before. That's one important thing. So we will not get any more the pyrazine, grassy character, which to us is not a noble expression of the Sauvignon Blanc. We consider that uh, it's as if you take an apple which is not ripe and you bite it and suddenly it's very acid, it doesn't taste anything. It's like you eat a cheese which is not matured at uh, 2 degrees Celsius. It doesn't taste anything. So the same for a wine which comes from fruit uh, picked at wrong time, too early for example or even too late. So the choice of the date of the harvest uh, it's such an important point. So we would go with my family in each single block and we taste the fruit on the left side or right side of the row according to the exposition of the right, sun, the because sun, yeah. exactly, or bottom part of the block or top part of the block. And then we consider uh, many parameters like uh, the fruity character, uh, uh, the, the, the texture of the berry, acidity level, the pips, are they woody? Or, or they're not woody. Right. You know, all these aspects are important. And then we exchange the three of us, my cousin, my brother, and we decide we pick it or we leave it for another two or three days. So it happened that way. And then, of course, as you mentioned, the winemaking, the fact that we live on Finis, uh, helps the wine to be probably more settled and acidity would be more enveloped thanks to this uh, kind of uh, um, glycerol. Uh, character. Yeah, mouth texture. I like the way you said envelope. So we have some more wine to taste. What are we going to pour next here? Is it the uh, Puy Fume? Absolutely. We're Excellent. going to cross the river. <laughs> so it's only a, a few kilometers from uh, the blocks make, uh, which make Les Baronnes. Puy Fume, uh, it's on the other side, on the right uh, side of the, of the river. Um, we have different uh, blocks there, but there is a very specific type of soil, which we call the Kima region marls, which we find in Chablis as well. It's actually uh, the bottom part of the sea. Historically, right. there was a sea there. Um, I'm talking about 180 million years ago. <laughs> yeah, like yesterday. <laughs> like yesterday. And uh, we uh, can see now a lot of fossils, uh, like ammonites, like uh, uh, oysters, micro pieces of oysters, mussels. Uh, uh, which would be integrated into the clay. So it's a magical terroir, half offering wines with uh, uh, a lovely salty uh, mineral character. Interesting. So when we think about the sea, obviously we think of salt water, and uh, we're, we're speaking about the um, dio, diometaceous, uh, calcareous, calcium-based uh, oysters that have been compacted over the years. They were simple organisms, and just through uh, time and time, cycles of life, uh, they've been compressed and compacted. Once the sea now lifted up uh, into being uh, vineyard land, and of course, uh, the Jardin of France is the Loire Valley. Yes, I mean, um, I think in France uh, uh, we are very spoiled, and in Loire probably particularly, because uh, um, it's uh, a natural um, 
it's a natural nature which is offered to us and uh, it's a heritage of a history of what happened uh, a long time ago. And the fact that uh, we cultivate vines in these particular areas uh, in a very continental part of uh, France, I think this combination brings to us a unique expression of Sauvignon Blanc that the whole world is happy to, to enjoy um, as an aperitif or during a serious meal. So it's a, a very uh, a specific Sauvignon Blanc style that we discover. For um, La Demoiselle de Bourgeois, which is the name of the Puy Fumé we are having together huh? with you, Christopher. La Demoiselle, exactly. It's a wine which we consider needing a bit of oak. So we fermented partly this wine in oak barrel and uh, specifically in Austrian copper barrel. Copper? Uh, yeah, um, it's a, it's a, it's a oak, um, uh, very thick, um, and it's important for aging because we don't want the fruitiness of this Sauvignon Blanc from Pouilly Fumé to be uh, uh, killed in a way. Uh, so using a very thick wood like this uh, barrel maker uh, of us, uh, it's uh, very important because it's respecting the aging, uh, aging uh, process but also it keeps the fruit, origin, original fruit from the, uh, from the wine, so which is very good. Well, I find all the aromatics that I'm familiar with with Sauvignon Blanc, but the texture here definitely is, is almost more generous. It's, it's more uh, layered. It, it's, it's a fatter, uh, more um, mouthfeel of a wine. And Pouille uh, Fumé is supposed to be that way. As far as the blind tasting, we look for that texture in this particular um, particular cuvee, we think Pouille Fumé versus Sancerre, and of course we're talking about the river, the Loire River. Um, you have a wine here which I'm, I'm quite surprised to see, although I shouldn't be because you are quite the innovator. Um, which wine are we going to pour next? I see something from New Zealand uh, and also um, something called Jadis, yes. Sancerre Jadis. Absolutely. So um, among the two bottles that we still have to taste together, I think we're going to carry on with Sancerre Jadis. Excellent. Sancerre Jadis um, is a wine um, which uh, is um, made according to the old methods, which I've learned from my grandfather. You know, at that time, enology uh, was not so developed, uh, so uh, our ancestors had to uh, deal with what nature offered them. And they were probably much more observers than we are. And he gave me, he gave me this uh, sense of observation, like um, he was touching the leaves of the vine and uh, he was saying, oh, they're having trouble during this summer. I can feel that the leaves are dry, so um, hopefully it's going to rain, otherwise they're going to suffer. So he, he would be able uh, to do uh, um, and to uh, be able to say many things about how the vines were feeling just by looking at them. And he gave me that... Um, I think uh, uh, perception, perception, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like uh, the doctors, you know, in the past when they were looking at your eyes and they were saying, "Oh, you have a problem with your liver." Or your tongue, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So my parents are doctors. My sister's a doctor, so I'm very familiar with that. And uh, let's give this go ahead. This is Jadi Sancerre Jadi, 2016 vintage. Um, let's go ahead and give it a pour, um, and we'll we'll 
taste this. So, are there different? You said you have a 120 plots, was it? 100 different parcels? Yeah, and, 130 and 30 plus plus parcels, yeah. All right. Yeah. And Jadis, uh, now we're back in. This is a bigger some... bottle, too. This looks a little. Uh, so you will understand why we have chosen this bottle. First of all, uh, we make the wine according to the old method, as I said, and uh, part of the old uh, method is to let the wine natural. We don't filter the wine. As we don't filter the wine, it might be the case that the sediments would settle down in the bottle. So having a big uh, cone at the back, uh, at the bottom of the bottle, when we pour the wine, ah. the sediment will stick to the cone. So it's an original bottle of Sancerre, which have been produced at that time by a member of my family, you know, with yeah. it's a mouse blown, you know. <laughs> Wow, so you had all the, uh, you, you had a cooper? No. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> a glass blower and of course a vigneron and a winemaker. So, uh, Jadi, now this, this is refined. This tastes like it's, um, I want to say more elegant, uh, more supple. Uh, it, it has aromatics similar, but it's, it's, it's almost more about the, the lie, the light, the leger of the palate here. Actually, what we uh, try to express in this wine, being uh, from an old method, we like to have the wine as they used to be expressing in the past. So the body is extremely uh, strong. You know, like a, a body with a lot of muscles, like a body who've been working in the vineyard a lot because right, the there were not equipment. This comes down with a hammer. Exactly, but it is also a humble wine. Humble wine is a wine which has a, a, has a um, possibility to be extremely uh, refined, extremely precise, extremely uh, elegant, still having the power. So out of our range of Sancerre and Puy Fumé, we only have one wine like that, Shadis. Interesting. Very powerful, bodybuilding uh, wine, but <laughs> <laughs> extremely elegant, like a ballet dancer. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> ballet dancer versus a belly dancer. There could be uh, some similarities there. So, all right, the final wine today, uh, speaking with Arnaud Bourgeois, who's the managing director of uh, Famille Bourgeois. And um, how many wines are produced uh, in the family these days? Well, we produce around uh, 20, 25 different wines. Uh, it depends also on our mood, obviously. <laughs> okay, I like it. So, uh, it depends on which side of the vineyard you woke up on. The final wine here is Screw Top, and that reminds me of New Zealand. So Clos Henri, what do we have here? So Clos Henri, it's a, 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 a new development that we have started 20 years ago. Actually, we've been... Really? Yes, we've been um, invited so by... Cloudy a, Bay came out and you said, hold on, they're on to something. <laughs> Cloudy Bay was there before us, that's for sure. They've done a great 
job in terms of recognition of Marlborough Valley as a very good place to grow Sauvignon Blanc, that's for sure. What happened is that we've been invited by our importers from all over the world to show our Sancerre. And of course, uh, the table uh, next to us was uh, uh, attended by producers from uh, California, from Argentina, from Chile, South Africa, New Zealand. So we swap our business cards and uh, then when we had the opportunity we gave a visit to those guys. And uh, we discovered then New Zealand um, about uh, 25 years ago and uh, we thought that this place is definitely another place where we can get an ex extremely different but still interesting expression of Sauvignon Blanc. And you know how we love Sauvignon Blanc historically in the family. So uh, we decided to uh, um, to uh, take a big decision actually um, to start our own vineyard there. So we bought a naked land which never got any kind of uh, of plant on, only sheep eating the grass and the pasture. Well fer fertilized I imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. And we started with one hectare of Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Noir uh, back in 2001. Was that a clone from the Loire Valley or did you have to buy rootstock from the local nursery? Actually, indeed, it was uh, uh, rootstock from the Loire Valley, but you know, in New Zealand, the quarantine process right. is quite uh, heavy, so we couldn't uh, uh, work that way for long, so we decided to choose um, to choose uh, uh, um, um, how do you call it? Uh, uh, Nursery, nursery, yeah, yes. yeah, nursery. Okay. and uh, we were very lucky to find uh, somebody who was sharing exactly um, our uh, technical approach in terms of uh, uh, selection of clones, etc., and massal selection. So uh, we developed uh, a vineyard there. Um, nowadays we have 45 hectares of Sauvignon Blanc and uh, Pinot Noir all together planted in the valley, and uh, we are at the crossroad of two ancient glaciers. So again, we decided to plant both uh, grape varieties on each of the different soils there. So we have a range of three Sauvignon Blanc and three Pinot Noir, but the Sauvignon Blanc we are having now is from an old riverbed. The Wairo River was going. Wairo uh, River. Yes, exactly. Was going a long time ago where we planted the vineyard, and we decided uh, to um, take a bit of risk by um, cultivating our vines in a very different way, high density plantings, in order to increase the competition between the each vines, food right? of vines. Exactly. Yeah, rootstock. Exactly to look for the moisture to get the minerality, but was particularly in order to avoid irrigation. We decided to dry farm. And then from 2005 we started to uh, go That's for... That's a risky endeavor. It is. Yeah. Especially on a very porous, a very uh, porous type of uh, soil. I mean, we're talking of gravels, we're talking of old riverbed. Yeah. But uh, if you don't take risk, you can't surprise yourself. Okay. So Clo Henri, is it actually a Clo? Is it uh, encased in uh, stones or is it part of the riverbed? Well, it's a Clo in a way that it is a very limited area that uh, we, we uh, you know, found uh, and we wanted to define it properly because uh, obviously because uh, the way that the, uh, the, the, the slope is, uh, is shaped, 
um, when you go on the other side of the slope where we are, it's a totally different climate. So there are plenty different microclimate, and that's what we love very much in the valley. It's definitely the fact that uh, each place is different and express completely different uh, uh, character. All right. So I'm curious: Are you the first and only uh, uh, Loire Valley producer to go invest in uh, Marlborough or New Zealand, or is this uh, you see that the future? Um, like Oregon will have uh, multiple partners and, and investors? Well, up to now, um, we are the only one from uh, the Loire Valley to, um, to have taken the decision to start a vineyard there. And um, I think it's a huge decision. Luckily, as we work uh, uh, as a family, um, it's uh, much easier for us uh, to be able to run both on both sides of the world um, the two uh, wineries. Otherwise, uh, it's quite tough, even if the, the vintage uh, yeah, Luckily, you've got September. north and south, right? Exactly. <laughs> you've got time yeah. when it's quiet up front. Um, Arnaud Bourgeois, what a very special opportunity to, to share some wine with you and to learn the story about your family, your philosophy, and your perspective on Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, thank you so much for joining me at Happy Hour Radio. Thank you very much for giving me the chance to speak about uh, my family's uh, um, love, my family's job, and to speak about the wine with you, Christopher. Enjoyed it.